I want to take a few moments to chat with you tonight about that new way, that new life. I really feel like God put on my heart to share with you tonight happened while I was in Canada. I was visiting some friends there in New Brunswick, and we were driving along the highway in Canada. Now, Canada is beautiful. It's wide open, and in New Brunswick, it's really, really far north. It is literally in the middle of nowhere. I was hoping to see a moose, um, just not while I was on the highway, because I heard it could have been deadly. They're supposedly really, really huge, Um, so I didn't get to see a moose But it's okay, maybe one day. Um, But we were driving down the highway, and I was a passenger in the car, and as we were going down the highway, I saw these really tall, beautiful plants that had these, uh, like, really colorful flowers on them. And I was was riding down the highway, and I just kept seeing them uh, all along the highway as we were going, and, and I was really captivated by these flowers, I'd never seen them before, and you know when you see something you've never seen before, and it looks really beautiful, really appealing to the eye, you kind of get captivated. You just kind of have that, uh, that stare, that, that gaze on it. And so I, I commented to the, my friends who were driving, and I said, these are really beautiful plants. What are they called? Well, somebody in the car had to break the bad news and let me know that those aren't flowers, they're weeds. Exactly. That, I'm like, what? A weed? That, I don't think you know what you're talking about, even though you live in this area. But I didn't want to say that. But no, they're weeds. As a matter of fact, they, they kind of decided to tell me that not only were they weeds, but they're really destructive weeds. They really have a tendency to just, just cut off all of the life of the plants around them. And they're, they're poisonous weeds on top of that. So they're bad for the wildlife. And, and they're like, you don't want to go touch them. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I should go pick some. <laughs> and they say, you don't want to touch them. As a matter of fact, the government has to come in and clear them out before they destroy the whole habitat in the area. And I thought, well, that's so weird. How can something so tall, so beautiful... As you're riding and just, you know, just in the wind, you know, it's like very picturesque in Canada, right? Not, not like when you're on the subway going through the Bronx, you know, it's like (laughs) just very picturesque. Or if you're ever on Metro North and you're driving up through Westchester, it's like on Metro North, they decided to dump all their trash along the way. I don't know what that means, but it's, these plants were just so beautiful. How could they be weeds? Well, God began to speak to me at that time. Because listen, I don't know anything about gardening at all. I I am not a Mr. Green Thumbs. I I don't know. The closest I get to plants are in the produce aisle of Trader Joe's. And they're they're packaged up really nicely. And and I buy them and, and either eat them with lots of salad dressing. I'm one of those people that like salad dressing with a side of salad or or you cook them. That's the best I know about plants. So what do I know about plants? And All I could do was believe what they were telling me about these weeds. But the more we drove, because it was a really long highway where we were going, and the more I thought about it, the Lord began to speak to my heart and began to share something with me. And I want to be a a little raw, a little honest. What my friends didn't know was at the time I was coming up to Canada to visit with them 
but I was really kind of going through something in my own life. I was working here at the church and, and I was kind of struggling in my relationship with Jesus because I was, I was deeply unsatisfied with where I was in life. I had gotten uh, saved. I had become a Christian at the age of 20 and I had an idea of life. I wanted to live in New York City ever since I was a kid and I thought I would come here and I was studying journalism so I thought I would be some well-known television personality or if that didn't work out, I'd be a wealthy uh, business executive. As long as the word wealthy was in what I was doing, that's what I was okay with. That's what I was looking for. But when I gave my heart to Jesus at 20, and and what that means is I basically said, okay, I'm going to do it your way. I want a relationship with you. Jesus, I want to give you my life. You get to direct. You get to do what you want to do. When you do that, God tends to say, okay, buckle up, because we're going to go on a ride. And... As you can see, I'm not a wealthy TV personality, and I'm not a wealthy businessman. I'm a humble church worker, and I love it. Now I love it, but at the time, I was kind of going through life, and this trip to Canada was going to kind of help me work some things out. You ever had to get away from your reality and just kind of take a moment or an inventory of life? Even as Christians, we tend to do that. We tend to get away for a moment and just kind of reevaluate with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I think we should do that when we're going through rough seasons. We should just back up a little bit and and get alone with God and say, Lord, where are we at on this journey? Because I do want you to lead. But I was really struggling and, and they didn't know it, but I was kind of deciding when I get back, am I going to stay here? Or am I going to go out and pursue what had always been my dream to do? Now, how many of you ever heard the phrase, God works in mysterious ways? Right? That's not in the Bible, but he does work in mysterious ways. And he speaks in mysterious ways. Not mysterious as in spooky, but he speaks. He knows how to meet you and speak to you right where you are. So on a highway in Canada, as I was driving down or riding down, God began to speak to me. Now, I want to take a moment, and I had to do some research about how weeds work. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I don't know anything about plants, let alone weeds. I just know you're supposed to kill them, and I know you're supposed to get rid of them, and I know that they're ugly. Well, these kind of threw me upside down because they weren't ugly, and I realized I should probably find out exactly what weeds do. Now, did you know, actually, of course not, most of you are New Yorkers, so you may not know about weeds, but anyway, did you know that the destruction from weeds are far more reaching than you think? They go a lot further than we think. We think it comes up out of the sidewalk, you just pull it up, or uh, if you're in the field, you pull a weed out. But I wrote down a quick list of a few ways that weeds cause damage, really bad damage. Now, some of you, maybe those visiting or those of you that aren't natural New Yorkers or maybe live in the suburbs, you might understand this a little more. But I just want to condense it so we're all on the same page. They compete with plants for water, nutrients, and sunlight. 
That's what they compete for. So they're in a competition with the plant, the plants around them for those three things. And those are the three things that the plant needs most to live. But the weed begins to just suck that. And weeds, since they grow faster than plants, they consume more. And if you leave them, they'll begin to stunt the growth of the plants around them because they're growing faster and they're consuming more, way more than the plant is. And ultimately, it could just kill the plant. Weeds also, if they're eaten by livestock, especially if they're poisonous, they could produce meat or milk that's undesirable. It has a funny taste, very bitter taste, and it could even kill the animal. And sometimes animals, they're just eating what's grass. And if the farmer doesn't get the weeds out, if the animal eats it, it will produce things that just really make it undesirable down the food chain. That means you and I, we wouldn't be able to drink the milk. We wouldn't be able to eat that meat. Weeds harbor pests and insects and diseases. That part I didn't even really know. But the weeds harbor diseases that can begin to infect into the soil and the roots and start infecting the other plants. Underneath, these diseases are just running rampant. Because they harbor them. They, it's like they're, they just draw the diseases, the pests to them. Weeds also create allergies. How many of you suffer from allergies? It's the weeds, man. All right. That's why I don't run in the park. No, I'm kidding. They create allergy skin irritations and have been known to be so poisonous some of them so poisonous to humans, they could actually kill us. So weeds are very destructive. Now, that kind of left me a little bummed. And I said, well, how do we fix this? Let, let, me, let me take it a little further. How do we get rid of these weeds? And the only way to keep them in check is very simple most of the places. You use clean seeds when you're planting. Make sure that the the area is clean, and when you plant your seeds, that they're clean seeds. You have to cut them down, pull them up constantly, and continually remove them. You can't assume it's a one-time thing. You've got to constantly be at it. Farmers actually can spend up to 30% of their expenses just trying to keep weeds off their crops. 30%. Because they understand how dangerous they are. So what is this little plant science lesson? How does that equate to us? As I was riding down the road, I just began to see these weeds and hear what they told me. And that's when I really sensed the Lord speaking to me. And I was thinking, how could these beautiful plants be so destructive? And God has a way to create a picture out of nature. And I sensed him saying, you know, Michael, this highway you're driving on is like the road of life. Sometimes you're driving fast. Sometimes you got to slow down because things come in the road in front of you or something's kind of hindering from you from going faster. Life is like this highway. And as you're Going down this highway of life, you, of course, are going to look around at the things that you see. 
And as you see those things, you see the beautiful scenery, you can immediately get captivated by something that you see because it stands out. Man, it looks amazing. It looks awesome. But what you're looking at could be a weed. It could be the one thing that could destroy you. It could be the one thing that creates chaos, wreaks havoc, and damages your life. And I just kind of, I kind of begin to see this picture of like, wow, there are so many what seems to be beautiful things all around us, right? Let me bring it closer to home. Some of these things could be obvious. It could be drugs or alcohol, sex outside of marriage, murder, lying, greed. Ones that you're thinking, those are weeds. Those, that must be all of the weeds, right? They're, they're just so obvious. They're the ones that really pull us in. And some of you here tonight... Maybe you have indulged in those particular things and you're struggling or you're dealing with the shame or the after effects or the consequences and you're thinking, that's me. I got tangled up. I thought it was beautiful. But it turned out to be a weed. Well, I kind of see those as thorns. Like on a rose bush, it's beautiful. But you see the thorns, right? You, you see them, they're there. What you tend to do is, is say, I see the thorn but I'm not going to let the thorn prick me. I can handle this rose bush. And nine times out of ten, what happens? You get pricked because you misjudge it. So that was a little obvious. You could see that one. And some of the obvious ones I think are there because if you were to ask people, whenever you ask them about their testimony, you ask them the things they don't want you to get into. Politicians are always, no drugs, don't do drugs, don't do alcohol. They, they point out the obvious ones. But I think weeds are a little more subtle. I think they're, they're a little more subtle. They're the areas of life that if you're not careful, they take you by surprise. Because you're not fully aware of them. Maybe you were warned about them, but you thought, eh, that's your experience handling it, not mine. Maybe it's a relationship that you idolize. Maybe it's that career that you're just so desperate to master. Maybe it's education because you want to prove how smart you are and the giftings that maybe God gave you. Or maybe it's just simply you just want enough money to be happy. How many have ever been there? If you could just have enough money to be happy. And so you judge based on some of the things in the world. This is how I'm going to get that. You know, maybe it's always trying new experiences. You can never sit still. So you're trying all the latest foods and the travel. And that becomes what captivates you. You're drawn into trying all of these things. The experiential life. It's that Graham life or that YouTube star life that you see, idolize all day. That stuff is fake anyway. Yesterday I was at a restaurant and I think the people spent more time setting up the food to take the picture than they did eating it. I mean, like I was getting extra hungry watching them set the food up. They even moved it to another table to have it closer to the window and the light. And they were both, both a couple. No, 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 take it. No, it's not right. No, it's not right. 
I literally had an appetizer, a meal, and a dessert by the time they were done taking pictures. And I thought, my goodness, thank God I'm not eating with them. I would have starved to death. All for an Instagram picture. How many silly things do you hear? People dying senseless deaths trying to take a picture. Trying to have this gram life that's like, why? Because they're captivated by that. Maybe it's that modern day dream job or that perfect work-life balance that we're all trying to get. Maybe it's a, a politician or an entertainer, an influencer, an athlete, somebody that captivates you and they wear something, you wear that. They try something, you try that. They have an agenda, you believe that agenda because you see them as a role model. Folks, the only role model we need is Jesus. But you get captivated by their life. These things captivate your mind. They captivate your thoughts. They captivate your action and your speech, your time, your energy, your money. And whether you are willing to admit it or not, they captivate your worldview. The way that you see things. They are called influencers for a reason. They're influencing you. Beautiful to look at, but potentially destructive. Weeds, really, these different things. You know, God never intended us, intended for us to be captivated by these. He knows we're weak to sin. He knows we're weak to sin as the bad motives, the, the bad things that we do, the destructive behavior. He knows that we're weak to that. We can see it through the Bible. We can see it through history. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in Mark 8, 36 through 37, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? See, we forget the second question he asked because it's part of this. Is anything worth more than your soul? Is that job, that relationship, the fame, the fortune? Is that worth more than your soul? No. We know that Jesus died on a cross for that soul. He deemed it priceless, only being able to be paid by him. In another place, Jesus says in John 8, 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, implying they are captivated by sin. They become a prisoner to it. They, they, they have it written down. It's like a contract with that sin. And it doesn't sound beautiful when you get to the root of it and you realize that what you're idolizing, what you're going after could destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy the people around you, destroy your future. And eventually it could destroy your soul. These areas of life that seem innocent and beautiful will captivate you, but they'll grow faster than you ever imagined. They'll go deeper than you ever thought. They always have a tendency to get out of control and they begin to consume your life 
And the next thing you know, your growth is being stunted. The growth, whether it's spiritual growth, if you're a Christian, or just natural growth, you will be stunted because of the weeds that you've allowed in your life. They compete for your mind and your heart. They produce undesirable things leading to shame and guilt. They harbor stuff that affect your relationships and could potentially affect your physical health. They start to damage your soul. You begin to realize how poisonous they are. And what it does is it leads you to this question of God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? What are you doing up there? Hello? Jesus? But you know, you're not alone. You know how many people go through this? Google the stories of celebrities and politicians, athletes, everyday people, pastors, Christians, non-Christians, who tell you that they've achieved these certain things in life. They went after them. Dare I say that they kind of sold their soul for it. And what happens? They end up anxious, struggling with anxiety, struggling with Depression, struggling with trying to stay afloat. And the next thing you know, there's some story of how they've fallen from grace. And some of them even commit suicide. Because of these, these weeds that have begun to grow in their life. Maybe you're here tonight watching online or listening to the podcast. And you feel the same way. Maybe you feel that you've become captive to something. There's something captivating your mind. There is something that looks beautiful and, and you know deep down within that it's just a weed that's growing and spreading and affecting parts of your life. Nobody has to always point that out to you. Most of the time, you realize it yourself. Maybe you're looking at something that looks beautiful. But there's a, there's a check in your heart. There's a check in your mind. There's a check from your friends. I don't know if that's the right thing. <laughs> what did they know? Because maybe they've walked that before you and they know that you're being captivated by a weed. They know that you're being captivated by something that could draw you away from God. Now, when I was on that road in Canada, I felt God impressing this on my heart. And then I also began to feel his impression on me. Danger. Beware. What you think or the life you think you want. Number one is not what I want for you. And number two, it could end up costing you your soul. Because my motive was money. Can I just be honest? My motive was not anything else. I could hide it. Oh, I could help my family. Oh, I, you know, New York's getting expensive and I'm going to need an apartment on Central Park. <laughs> you don't want me on the subway forever, Lord. I'm going to need to buy a car and parking's expensive in this luxury building you're going to put me in. And then when I travel, you know, I can only travel first class. It would 
would be inappropriate to travel elsewhere. We start, and God's sitting there like, you got to be kidding me, right? He said, I'll supply your needs. I can afford a Metro card. You can afford a plane ticket to go somewhere. You have a roof over your head. Obviously, a food on my table. So I just felt God saying, no. No, I've placed you where I need you. And you have to learn to be content. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote many of the letters that we now have as the New Testament in the Bible. And one of them he wrote to a church in the city of Corinth. And he, he wrote 1 Corinthians six twelve. He says, you say, this is him quoting them. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave. I must not be captive to anything. He wrote in a letter to his friend Timothy and a co-worker, 1 Timothy 6, 7. We brought nothing with us when we came into this world. I came out screaming and yelling like you. And I can't take anything with me when I leave. Another disciple of Jesus named John, he wrote it more plainly in a letter to the early Christians. First John 2.15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father, which is God our Creator, in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Ooh, did he nail it. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. That mode of that attitude is from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. You know, folks here today, gone tomorrow. Trends come. New technology comes. And the, the old one just fades away. So if you're captivated by it, give it a few years. It'll go away. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let me put it another way. Anybody who's captivated by God will live forever. This is what God's reminding us and what he reminded me on that road. See, I wanted a relationship with God. That's why I became a Christian. I didn't want a religion. I didn't want a nice little little sticker that says, I'm a Christian. Give me a thumbs up. No, I wanted a real relationship with God. I didn't want anything phony. And God was reminding me on that road that day. What you wanted was freedom, not captivity. What I gave you was joy, not a temporal happiness from material stuff. What you wanted was love and peace, not anxiety and fear from trying to keep up with my neighbors. What you wanted was to know that your soul was secure for eternity, not to lose it to this foolish world. And you know what? He's right. That is what I wanted and what I want. And I want to ask you a question tonight. What are you captivated by? What is captivating your heart? If it's Jesus, all of him, 100%, awesome. But you know what? 
Weeds tend to try and crop up, and they crop up anywhere. So what is captivating your heart? Are there weeds in your life that have gotten out of control and are damaging you? And you just have not been honest to yourself to own it. The responsibility to just say it. This is damaging my life. This is pulling me away from a relationship with God. This is damaging my marriage. This is damaging my family. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing something like this because you've never been to a church. You don't even know who Jesus is. But you know that you've got weeds in your life. You have things that you thought were beautiful and they've only become destructive and damaging. Maybe you're looking at some right now. Maybe you're contemplating something. We're always thinking ahead. Maybe you're contemplating something right now. It looks beautiful. It looks like it's right. But oh, you better have a relationship with Jesus because you need to pray. That means you need to talk to him to find out what's lurking underneath that. If it's him, he'll open the door. Listen, God wants you to have a job. He wants you to have a roof over your head. He knows the bills you have to pay. He knows where he wants you. But you have to have a relationship with him. You have to be captivated by him to be able to please him, to know that it's him and not you are not the influence of the world. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins in your life. He's the ultimate weed killer. You don't need that little spray stuff. I don't have to sprinkle you with anything. Jesus has done so much. I want to be captivated by him every day. Every single day. You know, he reminds us in Luke 4.18 that his job, one of the things he does is to set captives free. So if you're captivated by something, he says, I want to set you free from that. Now, when you pull a weed up, it's not always easy. If you don't pull it up right, you'll leave some of the roots in there. And it's just going to grow right back. You got to pull it out from the roots. You may have to dig around it a little bit. You may have to cut in there. So if you have some weeds in your life, it may hurt when they have to be pulled out, but it'll be worth it. You're saving your soul. You're saving potentially the people around you. Remember, no, how, no matter how big or small they are, you've got to cut them down and constantly remove them. And that's what Jesus does. As a matter of fact, he plants clean seeds, which is the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, contentment, self-control. He plants those in your life. So do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you captivated by him? I'm going to ask you to do something bold tonight. I, I want you to take a life check for a moment. Check the chaos. Check, check. What's going on in your life? Where are you at? What's captivating you? What are you moving into? What realms? What things do you put your time and energy and effort into that aren't Jesus? And if there's something else 
that has captivated you, I'm going to ask you to join me down here. That's a bold step. That's the first step in realizing that there's something that is captivating you other than Jesus. Why am I asking you to step down here? Because I want to pray with you. I want you to meet with God. I want you to talk to him. I want you to tell him these things that are in your life that you know you need to get rid of. Or maybe there's decisions on the table and you say, I need God to speak to me. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with you. Maybe you're on shaky ground. You have to start there. But he'll begin to pull these things out of your life. You know, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You let him begin to touch those areas of your life. Begin to show you this isn't a beautiful plant. This is a weed. I'm going to show you a beautiful plant. And you will be blown away with the garden he plants in your life. The first way to get rid of the weeds in your life, the, the first way to shift your gaze and be captive by him and not other things is to understand that he has to be the center of your life. He can't be added. He can't be an addition. He can't be a, a kind of in a box over here to the side that you open up on Sunday and then, then you put it back on Sunday. Like he's a, a good luck charm. When things go bad, you're like, oh, ooh, 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 Jesus, let me take you out of the box. And then things are going well and you're like, okay, back in the box you go. I got it from here. He's got to be the center. You have to be captivated by him. And that's your choice. So you've come down to make that choice. That's the most amazing choice to ever make in your life. And you have to know this one thing. He loves you. Do you know that? He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And you don't have to be down here full of shame and guilt. In your heart, you just lay it before him. As a matter of fact, every day you have to lay it before him. All of us do, right, Ivory? All of us. Because trust me, the, the weeds will try and creep back up. You're going down the highway of life. Jesus be this. Oh, what is that? Oh, 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 nope, nope, nope. Jesus be the center. What is that? Nope, 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 nope. Because he wants you to keep your eyes on the road. Because that road leads to eternity. And that's all that matters. So I'm going to pray for you. And you just, listen, the, the beautiful thing is he understands every language. So if English isn't your first language, that's okay. He understands your vernacular. You don't have to use William Shakespeare English. You just say, yo, Jesus. Sup? It's me. You just talk to him. And as I'm talking, he hears you and hears me. He's the ultimate multitasker. So I'm going to pray for you. And in that moment, you just begin to pray as well. And just ask him, Jesus, 
Will you be the center of my life? Jesus, will you help me to be captivated by you? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my friends that have come down here. I thank you that they took the bold step to say that they're tired of looking at weeds and they want to see the beautiful garden that you can plant in their life. They want to be captivated by Jesus. They want clean seeds from the Holy Spirit, which is your spirit sown into them. And they want your help, oh God, to remove these things that could potentially destroy them and those around them. So God, I pray that if they don't have a relationship with you, God, that today would be the day that their heart and mind is open. Their relationship's a little shaky, that they would find good, solid ground to plant in. Lord, whatever it is that is drawing their eyes away from you, I pray you cut it off. You, you dig from the root and pull it out of their lives, oh God, so they can walk with you, Jesus. And let them become influencers into other people's lives. Let them be influencers in their marriages, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, on their jobs. Influencers for Jesus. That's what I pray for my new friends down here, God. I thank you for them, oh God. And I bless you, Jesus. I bless your name. Because I know that you're going to move in their life. And we praise you for that. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? <laughs>